Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the entrance of your word brings light, revelation, illumination, breaks yokes, lifts burdens, points us in the right direction, brings healing, deliverance, and much more. Let that be the story today, Heavenly Father, as we share your word under the unction of your Holy Spirit. And let all the glory be yours, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit, and the intention is to continue that series um, until the end uh, of the fast. And I, I hope you have not just been listening, but you have taken in what we have said. You have pray, started praying it through. And it's actually beginning to change and transform your life. But I want to take a break um, in that series today. Um, tomorrow we start a 40-day fast. Um, we know that God has given us two scriptures that are undergirding everything that we do as a church. Um, the first one is out of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 18 and 19. Uh, forget the former things. I do a new thing, God says. Uh, can't you see it? It will spring forth. I make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We know that's um, one of the scriptures God has given us. And then the second one he has given us is out of um, Songs of Songs, the second chapter, the 13th verse. And that scripture speaks about a new day of destiny, change being in the air, and calls us to a place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Now, to put it in context, we encourage ourselves to read from verses 11 to 13, even though the verse that the Lord has given us is verse 13. 11 to 13 puts it in context. These are two scriptures that have defined our lives. They undergird everything we have done this year. And we felt very led to call a fast from tomorrow for 40 days. Um, we know God is doing a new thing because... We have never, I've never called a corporate fast for Jesus' house for 40 days. I know some of you have done 40-day fasts. I've been privileged to do it uh, probably three or four times in my life, I'm told. I could only remember one, but my, the people around me said, no, you've done it three, three, three more times. I've been privileged to do it, um, and I know some have done it, but we've never done it corporately as a church. We've done 21-day fast, 7-day fast. We've done 30-day fast, but this is new territory for us as we enter this period where we are calling ourselves to a 40-day fast. Of course, it's in line with what we know God is saying. Unprecedented times will require unprecedented prayer, also unprecedented fasting. We also know that God is calling us to a new thing. And so today, I want to bring knowledge so that we can fast in the way that God would have us fast. 
Uh, they say knowledge is power, and it is true. Knowledge is power. When we have the right information, we can go further than we would have without that information. So I want to talk to you about the power of fasting, the power of fasting. Please take in the information, and I pray that it gets you as excited as I am about this particular fast. As I talk, you will understand why I am excited about this particular fast. I feel this fast is so pivotal. The manner in which God brought me to it, I've told you the story about how probably about six or seven weeks ago, he mentioned it to me that he would want me to do a 40-day fast. And I remember saying to my wife, I think God is asking me to do a 40-day fast, but I just don't feel physically ready for it. I don't feel I have the strength to embark on a long fast of that nature. Um, and so I pushed it aside. But then, thank God for his love and his grace. He wouldn't let me go. A, a week later, reminded me again. A week later, reminded me again. And then finally, I found myself at a conference um, at the All Nations Church, Steve Opel's church, who incidentally is exactly on the same journey that we are. Uh, God's saying the same things to him that God is saying to me about the next stage. And I'm sitting there, and this great man of God comes on um, from America, an apostle that we all respect. And he just starts talking about 40-day fast. I don't even know if that was his sermon. He just spent so long talking about the benefits of a 40-day fast. When he did it, what happened? The examples of others. He just went on and on. And I kind of knew that God was saying to me, you better do what I asked you to do. So I leaned over to Steve and I said, Steve, can you just tell him he can preach his message that I've heard the message that God sent him to deliver to me. I will do the fast. At that point, I thought it was just me personally being called into a fast. But shortly after, I realized that it wasn't a me thing. It was an us thing as a people. And I've come to realize it's not an us thing as Jesus' house. That as many as are in the body of Christ who would receive what we've received who would be stirred up in their hearts by the Spirit of God in the way that we, have, we are stirred up, who desire the things we desire, to see the things that we want to see, we've opened it up. We've opened it up to our prayer shield family. We'll open it up, up even more uh, to the body of Christ so that as many as say, I get a sense this is what God is asking me to do, will join us in this 40-day fast which starts tomorrow. Now, of course... Just some definitions. When we talk about fasting, there's a biblical definition for fasting. It's drawn from the various examples in the Bible. And biblically, the definition of fasting would be abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Yeah? So you can abstain from food for all kinds of reasons. But in terms of the Bible, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes, and we'll talk about some of the spiritual purposes. Now, the truth is that all, all religions fast, but we fast unto our God, unto Jehovah. Other religions might fast unto their gods, but we fast unto our God. We abstain from food for spiritual reasons in relation to our God, Je Jehovah. Now, of course, there are other ways that people might fast, um, people might abstain from other things that feed the flesh 
in, so that they can subdue the flesh and become more spiritual in their connection with God. And we appreciate that. So I've, I've had people say I'm fasting from social media, and I think a lot of people need to do that one. Um, I've had people say I'm fasting from television, I'm fasting, and all those things are good in that they help create time, space, and the right atmosphere to get deeper with God. But biblically, when a fast is called, it involves an abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. I wish there was more fasting today. I'm a firm believer that if the church in the United Kingdom would fast in addition to the prayer that is going on, the revival that we so desire would be hastened in its coming. And it's not a question of if we fast. It's clear by implication in scriptures that as Christians we are expected to fast. It is part of what we do as Christians. In the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus, at the start of his ministry, teaches his disciples the foundations of our faith. He deals with things like money and grace and marriage and relationships and and how to handle anxiety and worry, just the things that will stand us in good stead as we journey through life to build us a strong foundation as Christians. Of course, he deals with prayer because, of course, that's our lifeline, our connection with God. And then he also deals with fasting. So we can't take some and not take others as a lot of the church does. And it's interesting when he deals with fasting there in Matthew, the sixth chapter, the Sermon on the Mount. This, is foundational this was his foundational teaching for us as Christians. You can't really go too far in our Christian faith if you haven't understood his teachings at, on the, when he sat down on that mountain and taught his disciples these foundational things. He says in verse 16 of Matthew, the sixth chapter, he says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He was teaching them basic principles about fasting, about the motives of the heart when we fast. It's not for an outward show. It's not to show that I'm super religious. It's not to say that, oh, I can fast more than you. We are fasting for the reasons that we'll talk about. It's unto God. It's about God. It glorifies God. But the critical thing there is that word when. If he wanted it to be left to our discretion to decide whether we will fast or not, I think he would have said, if you do fast. But when he says when, it tells us that he expects that we will fast. If you go, a few, if you go up a few verses when he, when he talks about prayer, he says the same thing, when you pray. 
doesn't mean that, you know, he, he, he's, not, he, he's made it clear that prayer is not an option. It's when you pray, you are expected to pray. When you pray, this is how you pray. In a similar manner, when you fast, this is the spirit of the fast. And if anything was to put an end to any kind of discussion as to whether it's optional or not for a Christian, surely what happened with the story of the young boy who was tormented by, by, by demons, tormented so terribly, he would throw himself into fire, he would fall on the ground, the spirits that to were tormenting him would, would deal with him. And the frustrated father, having tried everything, takes this boy to the disciples of Christ. Can you do something? I am troubled, tormented. My heart is torn apart as I watch my son suffering like this. Mark, the ninth chapter, records that account. And when he gets to the disciples, they try everything. Don't forget, they had watched Jesus. They knew what to do, what to say. They tried everything, but nothing happened. And so they eventually take the boy to Jesus. And Jesus simply speaks the word. That's why I say to people, people say, oh, do you do deliverance? I said, by the word of God. I pray over people. And God's will, God's purpose, God's plans comes to pass. Deliverance is not touching people, laying hands on, I mean, laying hands on people, certainly not hitting anybody or doing anything like that. It, just speak the word. Let the person's life line up with the word of God. If there is power and authority, the word will be manifest in the person's life. That's all you've got to do. And so Jesus does that, gives us an example. He speaks the word. And the boy is restored. The disciples are amazed. And I guess what the disciples are saying is that, but we spoke that same word. And so in private, the Bible records in the 28th and 29th verse, in private they asked Jesus, so what happened? How, how come we couldn't do what you did? And Jesus says this to them. He says, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why was that thing so resistant? Why wouldn't that mountain move? Why wouldn't the answer come? Why wouldn't that circumstance change? How come I'm still trapped in that addiction? How come it's not moving, not going, not changing, not opening not lining up with the word of God. And he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. If he wanted to say by prayer alone, he would have said by prayer alone. What was he saying? There are certain circumstances that don't change, don't move, don't open, don't align, except there is prayer and fasting. This revival that we desire cannot come by anything but by prayer and fasting. And you know, the Bible is replete with examples. And you know, we understand from Paul, Paul's encouragement to Timothy 
uh, in 2 Timothy, the third chapter and the 16th and 17th verse, we understand that that's what the Bible does. The Bible is there for examples. So, of course, we look through the examples and we're encouraged by these examples. I hope you will be similarly encouraged as I was by these examples as you embark on this fast. And there's so many of them. So, just chose a few randomly. Jehoshaphat's example. Young king ascends the... Th- ascends the throne, and suddenly is faced with a, a series of nations coming against him. Armies that he knows, in a natural sense, his army can't stand against. The Bible records it in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Verses 1 to 4 puts it in context. It says, it happened after that time that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, so Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir came to battle against Jehoshaphat. They gathered against him, an overwhelming force. He knew he stood no chance. What did he do when they came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming after you? Naturally, Jehoshaphat was afraid. And who wouldn't be? There was no macho thing here. He knew we are finished. They are too many. They are better armed. Probably better trained than us. And so, out of his fear, the Bible says he set himself to seek the Lord. Anybody here seeking the Lord about something? Anybody online who is seeking God? Who's wondering, God, what is going on? What is happening? I need a word. I need some direction. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He called the whole nation to fasting. He was saying to them, if God does not intervene, not only am I dead, you are dead. We better fast. Somebody better fast. Because the odds are stacked against you. And so Judah gathered to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And you know the result. As they fasted and prayed to God, seeking him. Of course God responded. And God will respond to you in this season. Uh, That's the one person that God will respond to. God will respond to you. I'm I'm believing God for so many responses as people seek God in prayer and fast. Now, of course, we know the response that happened, that came. The word of the Lord came as the man of God spoke. The Spirit came upon Jehaziel and he said, listen, All of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was seeking God. God, God, what's going to happen? It's over. They are overwhelming. And he started praying and fasting. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel in a a meeting, in a gathering. And he had a clear word for Jehoshaphat. Listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. 
Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. How many know that there would have been jubilation in the camp? Because God had responded. Their fasting and praying was not in vain. And you know the rest of the story. God demonstrated that the battle was his. He fought on their behalf. He caused confusion to come into the camp. And believing God with someone, that whatever is arrayed against you, God in this period of the fast is going to give you a clear word. And out of that word, you're going to see God move as he causes confusion in the camps of the enemy. Those who stand against the kingdom and against God's plans in your life. Another example I love is the example of Ezra. And maybe you can read this during the fast just to encourage you. Now, Ezra was a brilliant scholar of the Bible. An amazing teacher of the Word of God. A committed and dedicated student of the Word of God. A leader in the nation of Israel. And it was to him God entrusted the responsibility of bringing the nation of Israel back into Jerusalem. And God granted him tremendous favor with the king of Persia, a king called Artaxerxes. Tremendous favor. A king that was not a a believer in Jehovah literally facilitated the return of the children of Israel. And not just their return, return with, with all the things that had been stolen from them when there was an invasion of, of, of their land by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And with that favor that Ezra had, he gathered the elders, the leaders, to go back to Jerusalem. But the problem was, he felt that this God we have been boasting about, if I go to ask the king for protection, he will ask me, can't your God protect you? And the journey from Persia to Jerusalem was a long and hazardous journey. As you went on that journey, you were exposed to bandits, to kidnappers, to, to robbers. It was hazardous. And this is what Ezra did. Ezra, the eighth chapter, verses 21 to 23. I hope this excites you as much as it excited me. He says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, A true fast of God will involve a humbling of ourselves. That's one of the benefits of fasting. We'll talk about that. It humbles you before God. That we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from Him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this and he answered our prayer. May that be somebody's testimony. Because the God they fasted to sent a heavenly God. To make sure that not one of them was lost on the journey 
all those who set out arrived. He said, I'm, I have no one else to turn to but God. And I will turn to him in fasting and praying. Because his name is at stake. And the Bible says God answered. May God answer you in this season of fasting and praying. Of course, you know the story of Esther. We all know that. This young lady who life circumstances had written out, but grace had qualified her for an assignment with God. She finds herself chosen as the queen. And in, a prominent, in, and in that prominent special position, one day she hears that the enemy of the Jews, a man called Haman, has got permission by tricking the king to exterminate all her race. Of course, she's troubled in the camp. And her people are troubled outside the camp. Her uncle Mordecai reaches out to her. She's the only person they have in a position of influence who might be able to stop the annihilation of, their of the whole tribe. Because Haman had tricked the king and got him to sign the decree that would lead to the extermination of the entire race. And so he sends a message to her and tells her that she should not imagine that because of her prominent position, she will escape. That she must remember that she's Jewish. And that if she doesn't rise to the occasion, God has put her there for such a time as this, he says, God will raise another person. And what was her response in the 16th verse of Esther's the fourth chapter? What was this woman's response with the onerous responsibility that she suddenly realized was on her shoulders? What was her response to a door that was closed naturally? For she knew that, and they knew that the law was that no one went into the presence of the king, including his wife, unless the king summoned the person. She was faced with a problem that defied solutions, a monumental problem, a mountain before her. And what was her response? Verse 16. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. What was her response? Her response wasn't to start to use her intellect. She knew that we need a supernatural intervention. God has to move on our behalf. And her response was to say, you fast for me out there. Myself and my maids in here will fast as well. 
And what were they fasting for? They were fasting and praying to God to touch the heart of the king and grant her supernatural favor before the king. Someone is going to get supernatural favor as a result of their fasting. Because it is unto God and to glorify God's name. And she did that and went before the king. Found favor with the king. And of course you know the result of it. The gallows that Haman had prepared to hang them on were the same gallows on which he was hanged. I say to someone, that's going to be the result of your fast. Not in a physical sense, of course, you understand. And as you all know, I'm passionate about the early church. I believe that if we spent more time studying the early church in terms of how a church is not just healthy but is impactful and how revival can come about in even the most hardened of places, we would do ourselves a lot of good. And one thing that we see with the early church is that fasting was a lifestyle for them. Constantly fasting. Acts 13 one to three, one example. And this is how they fasted to release into ministry. And I believe that part of this fast, that's going to be what happens to, to some of us. A release into ministry or a release into a new level of ministry in God. Let someone say amen to that. Now in the, in the, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. The ministry, Paul's ministry was birthed out of a season of fasting and praying. You know, I, I, I talked about um, Pastor Ayo um, and those early days. Badge will tell you, Doc will tell you, everything that Jesus' house is flowing in was birthed out of a time of intense fasting and praying. Mark, there's a whole new ministry God is releasing to you and Marceline. It's coming out of this 40-day fast. Both of you. There are a lot of us who are being called to higher levels in ministry, the work with God. It's coming out of this as we set ourselves to seeking God. And the reason is because it's not for our glory. It's for His glory. It's for His name's sake. And you know, of course, you know Paul. Um, who is responsible for two-thirds of the New Testament, fasting was his lifestyle. You know, when he gives the marks of ministry, of his ministry in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter from verses 3 to 10, he gives the marks of his ministry, everything associated with his ministry. The good reports, the honor he suffered, the dishonor some people gave him, 
the knowledge, his long-suffering, um, his ministry propelled by kindness, certainly by the Holy Spirit, is the, mark, the marks of his ministry. Embedded there is in fasting. What was Paul saying? My ministry could not have had the impact that it has, that it had, if I wasn't fasting. For ministry to have trans transforming impact. You know, you can gather people and the people don't change. You can talk to people and there's no transformation. For, mi for a ministry to transform lives and transform lives outside its four walls, it must be a ministry that is committed not just to prayer, but also to fasting. And of course, the ultimate example must be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't think that it is coincidental that his ministry was birthed after a time of fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's not just the birthing of the ministry that we learn from, from his, his experience. We also learn that coming out of that period of fasting, when he confronted the enemy, he overcame the enemy. And we must always understand that we have to always relate to Jesus as the deity, the God, but also the man. And we learn lessons from him where we see him operating as Jesus, the man, but submitted to the Holy Spirit. So we learn lessons from him. So his encounter with Satan was not as God. If not, there's no encounter. God does not get involved in battles with Satan. It's to demean God to assume that it, that is the case. And Satan wanted to trick him to step into that because then for you and I, we can't gain anything from it because he, he fought him and overcame him as God. So Satan says, you are the son of God. He says, that's true. But in this instance, he was dealing with him as you and I can deal with the enemy under the spirit of God, speaking the word of God. And it came out of a time of fasting and praying. So let me quickly tell you some results to expect. I'm hoping that you will be very intentional. You'll take this word, you'll sit with it, and you'll be very intentional as to what you're believing God for in this period. I've mentioned some of them, but I just want to bring them together. Twelve things very quickly. What will be the results? What should be the results of a time of fasting and praying? Number one, increase spiritual authority. Increase spiritual authority. I don't expect that you will be at the same place that you are spiritually as you embark on this fast and as it goes from week to week. Your authority increases. You step into higher, higher levels. You step, you step into larger shoes. You move up. In terms of spiritual authority, the enemy knows. That's why he doesn't want you to do this fast. He knows that just setting yourself to do it increases your spiritual authority. In that realm that matters, you're promoted. 
just by embarking on this fast. Number two, an increased sense of God's presence. I was talking to one of the um, our younger worship leaders, and we were saying that's one of the things we love when we're fasting. When we gather, the presence of God is there so strongly and so quickly. How many can say amen to that? And the reason is because the carnal nature has been weakened and subdued. The many things that stand as barriers to the presence of God are knocked out of the way because the fasting has subdued your, fl your flesh. There's an increased presence, sense of God's presence. You're in your car and you just sense His presence. You're in your home, you sense His presence more strongly. In your kitchen, you sense His presence. There, there's an increased sense of His presence when you fast. That will be your portion. Number three, there's an assurance of divine protection. You just know. An assurance of divine protection. I can tell you many examples that we've had in this church. Where people are coming to church in a period of fasting and there's a near accident. Happened twice on the A46, once in front of our church. And you know this would have been a fatal accident. You know when the person describes how they lost control and the things that happened, you know. But you just know also that there was an angelic guard protecting them. And, and they came out of it with an assurance in their heart that I knew it was going to be okay. An assurance of God's protection in every way. Number four, a revelation, more revelation in the word of God. That's why when we are fasting, we don't just abstain from food. We are praying as much as we can and we are studying the word. The word of God is going to come so alive. You will read scriptures that you have read 20 times over and suddenly the scriptures will seize your heart. You will see dimensions to it. The spirit will, will pull back the curtain and show you some amazing things in the word of God. That's why we say when you're fasting, you must also increase your study of the word of God. Number five, the breaking of attitudes or habits that hinder progress. That's one thing we see a lot when, when you're fasting, especially this long kind of fast. Addictions are broken. Long-standing addictions are dealt with. Attitudes that hinder progress. Personality traits that have held you back. What the writer of Hebrews calls the encumbrances. The weights that slow you down. As a result of a fast like this, you are quicker, more nimble. You're faster. The weights are broken off your shoulders. Things that you had a blind spot with regards to. Believe me, they pop up in the fast. And they are dealt with. Number six, the fast provides an opportunity to obtain a new direction for ministry. God wants to take the ministry in a particular way. I'm looking forward to that in this fast. That if God could give Moses such a clear blueprint for the tabernacle, surely by his spirit he can give us a clear blueprint for the new Number eight, 
Victory over long-standing satanic strongholds. They will come down. They will come down in the name of Jesus. So, so you declare what you're believing God for. So that as you come day after day after day, you're petitioning the heavens with your fasting. And I believe God for strongholds in our lives, strongholds in our family, strongholds in the nation and the nations to come down. Number nine, it encourages humility. Encourages humility. That's why he said we set ourselves, Ezra said, we set ourselves to humble ourselves before God. You know, it knocks pride out of the way. Because the whole essence of the fast is an acceptance that I'm unable to do anything myself. Number 10, it helps discern God's will in your life. I'm praying that will be your portion. That many will lock into God's will, align with God's will, as we set ourselves to seek in the face of the Lord. Number 11, It creates an atmosphere for experiences that confirm destiny. <laughs> it really does. You just create the atmosphere for encounters and experiences that are destiny confirming. When you tell your story, you can reach back to that period when we waited on the Lord and that encounter, that experience, that word that the Lord brought that shaped my life. And shaped my future. And then of course, it releases the healing grace of God. Practical benefits, health benefits to fasting. There's spiritual benefits, the healing grace of God. But there are also practical benefits. Haven't you noticed that when we fast, everybody looks better? Have you noticed that? Yeah? Everybody looks healthier. Tells you a lot of the stuff we're eating is just not good for us. As I end, let me give an overall context to this because it is quite possible to fast in a religious manner. It's quite possible to fast and the fast is not acceptable to God. You go through the rituals, you tick the box, you count the days and the fast is not acceptable to God. At the core, what is the kind of fast that God receives. God gets excited about at the core. And the Bible, as it always does, clearly puts this type of fast that touches God's heart to us. And I want to end on that note. Isaiah, the 58th chapter. The children of Israel had fasted. They were experts. But then, it wasn't getting any results. And so they went to God to say, it's not, nothing is happening. We've lost weight, but nothing is happening. They said, we have fasted before, Isaiah 58 verse 3. Why aren't you impressed? Tells you their heart. They were fasting to impress God. That, you know, wearing it as a badge of honor. 
And please don't get involved in all that stuff. How many days have you done? Are you fasting dry or wet? Don't get involved in all that stuff. And then don't get involved in coming to the place of prayer with an attitude. God, I'm now on 21 days. Why haven't you answered? They were fasting to impress God. God, haven't you seen my works? But then they concluded, you're not even impressed. They, said, they went on to say, we've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice. <laughs> we have, God, we're almost dying. This is 32nd day. You haven't noticed. And then God says, since you ask, I'll tell you why I didn't notice and why I'm not impressed and why, why, why I couldn't care about this your fast. He says, I will tell you why. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. If the fast is about yourself, if it does not have the kingdom and the glory of the king in it, if it is not God set me free so that I can serve you, break the addiction so that I can testify, bring the healing so that I can be used more by you, it's limiting me. Yes, I want to get married, but it's not just so that I can walk into Jesus' house with someone on my arm, even if we've cursed each other out in the car before we get here, but we can form for, for people, we can pretend for people. But it's God that together we can be used by you. If it doesn't have God in it, God says, I'm not interested. It's a selfish fast. He says, because you're fasting to please yourself, even while you fast, you keep oppressing your, work, your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? The, the, our attitude, our lifestyle determines the kind of fast that God, that God approves of. If, it's a, if we're fasting but we're not obeying the word of God, we're not showing love to others, we're not being considerate, we're not being kind, we're not thinking about the welfare of others, but we're just ticking a box that says, God, we are fasting, we're on day 18. But day 18, I'm not talking to my father. Day 18, I cast out my husband. Day 18, I've treated my child badly. Day 21, I, I had a chance to be a blessing to someone, but I withheld. Day, day 32, I don't, get, I, don't, I don't support the work of the ministry. I, I, I join all these clowns who are online as to why I can't give my tithes, why I can't give my offering. The, the pastor is using it to buy his nice jacket and the other pastor is using it to repair the tires of his car and the other pastor bought the earring for the... I'm joining all these clowns and vagrants and vagabonds online in this kind of thing. And then I come, I say, God, I'm fasting. God says, I'm not interested because you don't have my kingdom at heart. I'm fasting, but I'm not talking to my wife. Stop fasting. It's a waste of time. Fasting, I'm, I'm not talking to my husband. I'm fasting. I woke up and I cursed him out. Say, look at you, your head like coconut. <laughs> your father's head like apple. Your grandfather's head like, like mango. Anyway, Pastor Agu is called fasting. Are you fasting? No. Better just eat, eat omelette, an omelette, bacon, sausage, baked beans, English, just eat, eat, because it's a total waste of time. 
He says, this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. He says, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance. He says, this, this is penance. They are motions. Bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You know when God is angry, there's a way God says, look at you, bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind. That's what God said to them. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. What is he saying? He's saying be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. Show care and consideration and love. Be attentive to the needs of others. Be a blessing to others. Speak kind words to others. Deal with others as Christ would deal with them. Now, on that basis, your fast is acceptable to me. And then he gives the, what we should expect. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Somebody's help is going to come like the dawn. You know, the way the dawn breaks out is the way someone's help is going to break out in this fast. And your wounds will quickly heal. That's why we are believing God for healings. Multiple healings. Every time we gather, every Sunday for the duration of this fast, we're going to pray for healing. And we're going to have testimonies. Since your godliness will lead you forward, people will find their way. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And he says, this is, the, this is what we expect. Then you will call the Lord. Then you will call the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, that will be your portion. Your calling will not be in vain. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 will be your portion. Call unto me, God says, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. There are certain places and certain conversations you should not be involved in as a Christian. There are definitely certain conversations you should not be involved in when you're fasting. There are certain people, and you know them, that you should keep a wide berth from. Because when they come around you, the conversation is not edifying, it's not godly, it doesn't glorify God. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. That's going to be your portion. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. I'm believing that for the nation. That as we fast for the nation, that this will be the, our testimony. Light will shine into the darkness. The darkness around anywhere in this nation will become as bright as new. The Lord will guide you continually giving you water when you are dry, and restoring your strength. I pray for that restoration of strength for all of us as we fast. 
you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Can someone say amen? Go on, give God a clap offering. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this. I'm really excited about it. In my, in my natural mind, there's a bit of um, apprehension, if I must confess, um, because of the manner in which I, I, I feel I, I have been called to fast for these 40 days. Um, I don't know if I've done it like that before. So there's a bit of apprehension in the natural, my natural man, but there's an excitement in my spirit. I remember saying to my wife that I was praying and I feel like the way a tsunami starts and there's a lot of, there's fast movement of water underground and you can't see it. Uh, but at a certain time, the water bursts to the surface. I sense there's a lot of movement underground and it's going to increase in this 40-day period. And I'm expecting that there'll be a bursting as this fast comes to an end. Amen? Praise God. So some practical things, some very practical things. Um, what's the nature of the fast? We're abstaining from food. You're welcome to add to that abstaining from, you know, whatever you want to abstain from uh, that, that helps you create more space spiritually. But it's a, an abstinence from food. Um, we set a general framework and we leave people to be led by the Spirit within that general framework. So what's the general framework? At one extreme, one, one end, this certainly is an extreme, are those who are abstaining from food for the entire 40 days, which means they are not breaking the fast at all with regards to food for 40 days. Yeah? Um, that's one extreme. And then at the other end are those who are abstaining from food but breaking any time from 6 p.m. Yeah? So they, they have dinner. I mean, what some people do is fascinating. They have dinner at 6. They have after dinner at 8. They have after dinner, dinner at 10. And they just basically eat from 6 till 12 midnight. And so, so you see them and you think, are you fasting? They are fasting, but they've eaten four, five meals in, in six hours, but whatever. Um, that's, that's one extreme, one, one end where people are abstaining till six. Now, within that framework, you settle where you're comfortable with the Spirit of God. Now, if you've never fasted before, even fasting till six might be a challenge. So start by, by skipping breakfast and having a late lunch and then generally push yourself. What are we encouraging ourselves? I'm saying to people, push the boat further than it's ever gone. Some unprecedented times. Let's have an unprecedented spiritual response uh, with our fasting. Yeah? And then within that framework, you know, settle it. So some people might, might break with soups in the evening instead of a normal meal. They just break with a soup. It's part of the fast. Some people might break with salads and soups uh, in the evening. Um, some people might do 40 days without food. But they, because they have to work, uh, they might drink smoothies. Um, and just, just try and mix it, vegetable smoothies and um, normal, normal smoothies. You know, just, it's not a religious fast. Just, we set a framework and the Spirit of God just guides you as to where you find yourself. The encouragement is let's push into unprecedented territory. Amen? Now, if you're on medication, um, please, you must get medical advice as to whether you can fast. If you're 
pregnant or a nursing mother, we don't encourage you to fast. Abstain from something else. You know, you won't, you won't die if you don't watch television or you don't go on social media for a whole month. You know, the world won't collapse. You pick something else. Um, if you're a nursing mother or you're pregnant. And if you're on medication, you must get medical advice before you embark on the fast. Enough doctors in the church. A whole medical team is at your disposal. You have your GP uh, if they can understand why you're crazy enough to not want to eat for so many days. Um, but just make sure you get medical advice. And then for the duration of the fast, um, as a church, we have a prayer platform at 6 a.m. every day. We pray from 6 to 7 every day. It's virtual. You log on to the prayer platform. Um, I hope they'll put all the details on the screen so that you can have all the details. Put it, we'll put it on our websites as well. Um, and they, 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 you know, they'll use GH Matrix to send it to you. And then at 7.30 every evening, I'll lead prayers from here, from 7.30 to 8.30. It's virtual, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a, um, a few people who want to come and join me physically. If you want to come, you're welcome to. Um, as many as want to come physically, you're welcome to. Um, from 7.30 to 8.30 for the first 30 days. So the whole of November... We'll be doing that. And then the last 10 days, we'll push ourselves and release ourselves to enter deeper in a personal way. That will be one-on-one with God for the last 10 days. But for the first 30 days, we'll do corporately in the morning and then 7.30 to 8.30. I'll lead it from here. Um, For the first time, we have a, a large number of people who are not part of our church who are joining in this. Um, and they'll join with us. It'll be on YouTube um, and on Facebook and on the JHTV platform, the prayers I'm leading from here. But if you want to come and join me um, here from 7.30 to 8.30 every evening, please do come. I could do with the encouragement um, of, of seeing at least five or six faces who are here who want to pray with me um, for that hour. Amen? Praise God. Amen. 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 And so, Father, we just pray that you will give us the grace uh, for this period of waiting on you. We pray that it will go exactly as you have planned. You called it. We know that for a fact. We pray that all the things we've spoken about, those 12 things, we will see them manifest in our lives, Heavenly Father. That testimonies will abound, O God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. 